Well, today we're talking about coping mechanisms. What do I mean by that? Well, we are dealing with a lot of guests who seem to be showing more intolerance of issues. They're impatient. They want very, very quick answers to questions. And if they are frustrated, they're taking it out on staff of vacation rental companies. As a previous psychologist, hypnotherapist, psychotherapist, I learned a lot about coping mechanisms, about coping as a therapist in a world of people issues, if you like. And today I'm going to talk about some of the best coping mechanisms that I still use for myself and help my staff in my business in the hope that it's going to help you cope through a summer of crazy rentals. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, as ever. Super happy to be back with you once again as we enter the uh, sort of the first third of the summer. And my goodness, it's been an eye opener this year. And I know that we are not the only ones feeling this. You know, I, I hear from many of my friends, my network of property managers and network of independent property owners who are seeing this pattern. They're, see- they're all seeing the same sort of pattern, that guests are more intolerant of issues ar- arising to uh, upset their stays. They become easily irritated, frustrated. You know, it might be something simple as not being able to get the Wi-Fi to work immediately. And instead of trying to work it out themselves, they're immediately on text, on emails and telephone, complaining that the Wi-Fi is broken. When in fact, you know, maybe they transposed a couple of characters in a password. And we've actually had that a couple of times in this past week. Just that mistake that the guest was making when they were keying in their password prompted them to call our office and, and basically tell us how awful we are to have a wrong password put in the guest guide when in fact the password was correct. It was just operator error. That is just one tiny example. I will talk about it, some other examples. This episode is not about bashing guests and I want to be 100% clear on this because much as I hate to say, to say this, and I did say I would never say it again. I'm going to say it this one last time. We've all been in this together over the past 18 months. As owners and operators, we have experienced stress. We've experienced anxiety. And certainly our guests have too. I mean, some of our guests have had their vacation cancelled multiple times because of the lockdowns here in Ontario. We had multiple lockdowns and people were moving their vacations another few weeks or months forward and then only to find they'd be cancelled again. So, Many of our guests have been dealing with this right the way through the pandemic. And I have a huge amount of empathy for them. We're going to have 
little chat about empathy as we go forward in this episode. But let me just step back just a moment from the current situation and let you know, I guess, why I'm qualified to talk about this. Some of you do know that prior to my 24 years now in this industry as a vacation rental owner of seven separate properties and as a property manager now managing over 150 properties, in my previous life, I was a psychologist. I was a psychotherapist and a hypnotherapist, and I had a very busy practice at one time. And I maybe saw three, four clients uh, in a in a day, um, and I tried to keep it down <laughs> to that level. But each one of them came with some very often very serious issues, very serious, usually mental health issues that I was endeavoring to help them. Now, it could have been anxiety and stress or addictions. And over the course of months of therapy, we would work through these issues with them. So I would sit with them for an hour and hear their story. And at the end of that hour, they would leave with their coping strategies and mechanisms and activities and workbooks that that we prepared between us. And they would go off and work on that problem that they had presented with. I, however, had to put all the story to the back of my mind or somewhere else and then move on to the next client as he or she came through the door. I think I probably lasted about... It wasn't very long, actually, that I had my practice, maybe no more than five years. I realized it it really wasn't what I wanted to do. And I wanted to use what I'd learned in my psychology degree, my postgraduate work. I wanted to use that more in communication. And, get, and I got into the corporate world and started teaching marketing and communications uh, using that background of psychology and hypnosis, actually, and uh, neurolinguistic programming to help people who are trying to build their companies and you know, maybe having problems with staff or having problems with clients, so helping them communicate. But over that time, and now in the past 20 years of being in vacation rentals, I am still using the same coping mechanisms that I was taught in my early days as a therapist, because therapists are not immune. You know, the therapists that I met with, you know, some burnt out very early, some were able to continue for decades and still help their clients out on a day-to-day basis without taking on board the anxieties and stresses that were brought to them. I'm still using many, many of these coping mechanisms. And it, it just struck me last week when we were dealing with just a whole load of issues, guest issues, owner issues, staff issues, because we lost one of the staff that we'd taken on to help us throughout the summer. And we just got her trained and she was doing brilliantly. And she suddenly announced that she didn't want the job anymore, which was a huge blow because that came right at the beginning of the season. And we had already had to let go another staff member who wasn't able to work the weekends we needed through the summer. 
So it had been a last minute push to to get this assistant to trained up and ready to go. And it was it was just working so well. And then she quit. So I've had to employ some coping mechanisms to deal with the fact that I'm now spending every Saturday and every Sunday of my summer working closely with issues that are developing, answering emails, doing things that I had not intended to do this year because, you know, I am beginning to step back a bit. I think I've mentioned this before. I want to step back, do far more strategic work, and now I'm working right in the business again and not on it, which is an irritant in itself. But hey, that's another matter. But I have used some of my coping strategies to help me get through this and to assist in realizing that it's not the end of the world. We will get through this. It is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm using all these platitudes now because that's what I hear. Actually, I, I do use them. You know, it is what it is, is one that I do use all the time. Often I'll say sometimes to my staff, can you do anything about this? Can you do anything practical with it? No, we can't. It is a situation that you cannot change. Okay. Well, number one, you learn from it. What can you learn from it? What you can, what can you take into the future? And secondly, let's adopt some techniques for dealing with how you feel about it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the way we think, the way we believe, the way we think, and the way we feel about things. Now, some of these things we can change. In fact, we can change a lot of these things. So, This is sort of a a little bit of a stream of consciousness because I was thinking the other day, you know, what shall I going to do on this episode? I didn't have a guest for this week. What shall I do? And we were going through all these issues with the company with, uh, well, we're going through all these issues with a week of rentals, probably about a hundred families and properties. And there was something popping up every couple of minutes. And I thought, yeah, I am using this stuff. I am sharing this stuff with my staff. And it's working. So let's share it with you guys too. So what I'm going to talk about is mechanisms for coping that I learned 30 years ago that are still in use today. And I do encourage you to listen because, you know, everybody needs good mental health. And as I mentioned before, it's like, you know, people look at a therapist and they forget that that therapist has thoughts and feelings as well. So your guests certainly don't think about your thoughts and feelings when they're unloading all their frustration to you over the phone or on a text or in an email. They have no thought for you whatsoever. And you are left with how you think and how you feel about that communication. And you've got to deal with it. And that is a stretch. That that is a, a struggle. It is a burden on our mental health. And we need to respect that, reflect on it, and appreciate that we actually can do something about it. Now, I'm not going to talk about, you know, if you go online and you look at coping mechanisms for stress or anxiety, you're going to come across all the platitudes, which are get a good night's sleep, make sure your diet is good, don't resort to alcohol, do some exercise. And those things are all good. But there's so much else that you can do. And I just, as I say, I'm going to share that with you right now. So I sort of started with, I've got 10 coping mechanisms. I think there's more than that, but uh, I'll see how far I can get through them in the time frame. 
and I'm probably maybe not even going to count them. Uh, I just want to start with something I do absolutely every single day and I never miss it. And it requires a little bit of discipline because it's something I do from the moment, absolute moment I wake up in the morning is the first thought that comes into my mind. So I have a start and end of the day ritual. And this may come across as a bit woo-woo, but it works for me. And I just want to, uh, yeah, it works for me. I wake up every morning and the very first thing I think of as I open my eyes is today is going to be a great day. And it really doesn't matter whether something awful happened the night before. And I'm going to talk about end of the day ritual in a second, but it doesn't matter if something awful happened the night before. The first thing you think of, the first thing you say to yourself and say it out loud is, I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to have a great day. I am going to have a great day. Today is going to be the best day ever. So much better than waking up and having the first thing be the groan. Oh my God, I've got to deal with that. That doesn't matter. That comes later. The first thing you do is tell yourself that you're going to have a good day. And the goal here is just to find some way to center yourself in the morning before you begin your day. And last night when I went to bed, we were dealing with a guest who wanted to leave a property because there were mosquitoes inside the house. A lot of them, apparently. And she cannot sleep with the buzzing in her ears and they've been bitten and it's painful. And I do understand it. This is Ontario. It is July. It's been wet. It's been humid. The mosquitoes are out in force and she has a dog with long hair. So I know that every time she opens the door to let that dog in, nestled within all that hair are mosquitoes because that dog's been outside. It's been wandering around in the undergrowth. It's bringing in the mosquitoes she wants to leave. She wants to leave the property. She wants a full refund because there are mosquitoes. So at the end of the day yesterday, we were, we were talking about, about this. What are we going to do? She's very unhappy and I can understand, you know, there's a lot of mosquitoes around. We did ask that, uh, she, she gets some mosquito spray, fly spray, mosquito spray and sprays it around the house, but she doesn't want to because it's a chemical which is fair enough. But there really is, oh, well, I suppose she brushes off her dog before it walks in the door, but it's still going to happen. You know, I look around my office this morning and there's mosquitoes on the walls because I've opened a door, I've walked outside, I've come back in again. And, and the, the tiny critters have come with me. So that was, it was, you know, stressful towards the end of the day because I knew we were going to have to face this today when we got up, but it didn't matter. The moment I woke up this morning, I said, today is going to be a great day. And I've got a big smile on my face the moment I wake up in the morning. It's welcoming the new morning with a really, really positive attitude. Something else you may not know, have known about me is that years and years ago, I was a happiness consultant for Boots the Chemist in England. And I... (laughs) It wasn't a matter of sort of dispensing happiness. I actually did happiness courses We were teaching people to be happier, to understand where some of their stress and angst comes from and ways in which to turn that around. And I do agree that, you know, I'm I'm a happy person and it comes easier to me. So I'm not saying that this is easy. And I'm sure that some of you are, you know, maybe some of you have already switched off. 
which is which is fine. But for those of you who are still with me, try it. Everything I'm going to say here, just try it because it's it's all mental. It doesn't. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to take up a huge amount of your time, and you know it might just work for you. So for sure, start the day with just that one expression. It's going to be a great day, and then. The next thing you do is once you come fully awake is to just mentally go through three things that you're grateful for. And you hear this a lot online. If you're, if you're doing any mindfulness meditation, you'll have heard this. Just go through three things you're, you will, you are grateful for today. It could be just, you know, Hey, the sun's come up. It could be the sun's out. The sun is shining. I'm grateful that the sun is shining. I'm grateful that the birds are singing. I'm grateful that I have five minutes of super comfort in this wonderful bed. I am grateful for the staff, perhaps, who are getting ready to come to work and help me out with any issues that may arise. I'm grateful for all the fantastic guests, the 90% of guests who are having such a great time. I do that practice every single day. I'm happy to be here. It's going to be a great day. And these are the three things that I'm grateful for at the start of this day. And often they're the same things, but it doesn't matter. It sets your day off to a good start. I also have an end of the day ritual because I do not want to go to sleep with things going around in my mind. I mean, one of the things I do at the end of the day is, is, is I do not look at emails or any issues within an hour of going to sleep. It doesn't mean I put my device down I am addicted to cribbage online and rummy cubs online. And, and that's, that's my happy place. You know, I get to bed and I'm just doing, playing a couple of games. And then the last thing I do when I turn the light out is to think about three more things I've been grateful for during the course of the day. You know, I'm so grateful that Christina was able to resolve all the problems. I'm so grateful that the yard man came after three days of rain and the yard looks amazing. I'm so grateful that my beans are growing. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's being grateful. You are actually feeding positive words into your subconscious mind. At some point, you know, I'm hoping at the Vacation Rental Women's Summit in December, I'm still talking to Amy about it, that I'll be able to come along and talk more about these things, talk more about how we can use coping mechanisms, do some self-hypnosis, teach you some self-hypnosis, those people who are going to be there, and and take this a little bit forward because I don't think we talk anywhere near enough about it. So that is my start and the end of the day ritual. And that, you know, the disconnecting at the end of the day, that's something that you'll hear about on a, a lot of popular channels. And I do encourage it it doesn't mean disconnecting altogether if you're reading a book on a Kindle or something like that, but it means disconnecting from your emails, from your texts, from any issues that came at you throughout the day because you can't deal with them now. So put them on one side, do your three elements of gratitude and have a good night's sleep. The second one I want to talk about is thinking forward. And this is, this is something that was taught to me 30, 40 years ago that I still remember to this day. It has never gone. It's about when a problem occurs, something occurs, and in the moment you believe it's the worst thing ever. 
And in fact, I was, I was taught, I did a bereavement counselling course and it, it was part of this bereavement counselling. When you're talking to somebody who is bereaved after, you know, not, not immediately, but after some time and you begin to encourage them to think ahead and to say that, okay, so here we are now, this is how you feel. How do you think you're going to feel in a day from now or a week from now or a month from now or even six months from now? And I want you to get into that feeling. I want you to project forward, think about where you are in three months time. What will you be doing? Who will be around you? How will you be feeling about that? What are the thoughts that are going through your head? And I just found this the most powerful exercise and I've never forgotten it. And I use that daily, the think forward method. So if I'm deep in an issue with with a client, with, with a guest, and perhaps it feels that, you know, this is not going to be resolved. They are going to be ha- unhappy. They are going to maybe swear at me. They are going to be unpleasant and I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel that because I'm going to feel it's unjust. So the first thing I do when I get off the phone or have read that email is just sit back for 30 seconds and say, okay, how am I going to feel about this in three months time? I know if the borders are open in three months time, I'm going to be down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I would not even think about that particular situation. It's gone. It's done. It's dusted. Maybe they wrote a bad review. Maybe they have, maybe they've sent a dozen emails and they've, they've got their, their, their lawyer involved or whatever. But in three months time, it's most likely that it will be forgotten about. It will have been recorded on our system. And if I wanted to, I could go back and see what happened. But in general, it's forgotten about. And in doing that little exercise, thinking ahead to my happy place, and I'm going to talk about happy places in a sec, thinking ahead to my happy place, I can diffuse what was important in my mind at, you know, a minute ago, two minutes ago, when I was talking to this guest, what was upsetting about it? I can diffuse that and say, okay, I'm going to deal with this right now because in in a couple of months' time, or in fact, probably tomorrow or even next week, some of these situations that hit you and seem to be so important are just not, are just not when you can diffuse it like that. My mom had multiple sclerosis for many, many years. And in the last years of her life, she was immobile from the neck down, but her brain was as agile as ever. You know, we could sit and do cryptic crosswords um, pretty much up to the end of her life. And she would, her, her voice was not great, but she could look at these cryptic crosswords and she would get the answers so, so quickly. And I often wondered how, how it was for her to have that amazing mind in an immobile body or in a body that would not work for you. And in fact, if you read anything about Stephen Hawking, you're going to hear the same thing, that the mind can overcome the body. You know, the body is just simply something that your mind is, you know, can make work. If it doesn't, well, you just move on. But your mind is, if, it's, if, if you still have all those faculties, then you have the power to change your thoughts. And my mum said to me once, she said, should I remember that she said, that's an odd expression that says, someday you'll look back on all this and laugh. And she said, I always thought that 
If someday you're going to look back on something and laugh, why not laugh now? Why expend all the mental energy in getting upset and hysterical about something right now when someday in the future you're going to look back on it and laugh? And that really struck me. And that, in fact, that was her attitude right the way through to the end of her life. She never lost her good humor. I'm sure at times she, she was very sad about all the things that she missed out on in her retirement because you know, she didn't get MS until she was in her 60s. And, and that pretty much took away all their plans for retirement. But she had this fabulous attitude and I've, I've never forgotten that. But it is about, you know, think forward, think forward, think forward two weeks. I mean, at the moment, I'm thinking forward to the end of the season. So it's really super busy at the moment. And I can get up on a Saturday morning. And from the moment I get to my desk to the end of the day, I'm answering texts and dealing with emails and supporting my team with whatever they're doing on problems and issues. And at the end of the day, I can think, well, that was a really, really tough day. But what I'm grateful for, I'm grateful that the end of the season will come and I'll be able to kick back, relax, pick up a book, read it, do whatever I want. And in the knowledge that we've had a great season. So I do this thinking of forward all the time. And, and I encourage you to try that out. And two appreciations here. When you're dealing with problems, keep in mind, it's not you. People aren't upset at you. They're upset about the situation that is making them feel uncomfortable and unhappy. And they're taking it out on you because they feel that need to do so. If you can imagine that you have a glass bowl, like an astronaut's helmet or something over your head. Now that allows sounds in. So you can hear perfectly fine. But what cannot come through that glass bowl is somebody else's emotions. As those emotions hit that glass bowl, they're just deflected off. This is something else I was taught in my therapy training. It was, we, we had to imagine that it was a glass goldfish bowl that when you went into a session, you just put this... <laughs> And I never got, got into this goldfish bowl thing because who's, who's going to put a goldfish bowl on their head? But I like an astronaut's helmet. That's the way I've, I've thought about it. It's, um, and I'm reading Chris Hadfield's book at the moment, you know, The Astronaut. And yeah, he he's talk, talks about these, these big, heavy helmets, but you can still hear and you can still speak, but they are protecting the astronaut from, from what is outside of them. And that's exactly how I use this technique when somebody's really angry is allowing their emotion to just bounce off. So I'm able to be empathetic with them, appreciate that they are feeling angry. So one of the expressions I never use, and we were always taught never to use, I know what you're feeling because, you know, no one person can know what somebody else is feeling because we all feel things in different ways. So it's more, I appreciate that you are feeling angry because you've heard that emotion, but you've allowed it, it's, it's been deflected off your helmet. Once you let it get in and impact the way that you are actually feeling, then it makes it much more difficult to deal with a situation practically and, and pragmatically. But you can use this technique and not lose 
empathy. You can still have empathy with the guest or with the owner or with whoever's completely unhappy with you. But with this sort of glass bowl method, I had a, an owner yesterday tell me I was talking down to him and he was really angry. Problem was that his some guests the previous week had torn out the uh, their HDMI cables and had broken the HDMI sockets on his television and he hadn't been able to replace it. And he was so angry with these guests. And now we have new guests who are wanting to use the satellite, uh, the cable TV, and the connection is broken because of the previous guests. So the owner was really angry at the current guests because they'd complained about it. And I was saying to him that, you know, this is not their fault. They have arrived. They're really unhappy because they wanted cable TV because that was a part of the, it was a feature on the listing. Um, they haven't got it. They do have a right to be upset because it hasn't been dealt with. So, so the owner just took it out on me that I was not understanding where he was coming from and that he wanted these current guests gone because they'd made this complaint. So I had to very quickly get myself into the the owner's frustration, but do it not do it in a way that I was feeling it too. So I just left it outside of my glass bowl. It's a bit like an astronaut out there trying to fix something on the space station and they can connect with it, but the atmosphere is not coming in. Does I'm not sure about that analogy. I might have to work on that one. <laughs> but I think you get my gist. If you can separate yourself because it's not you, they're not directing these things at you because you are responsible for them. They just need you as a sounding board. So using this glass bowl technique, I find is, is, is super helpful, super helpful. And sometimes I really have to sit and imagine I've got a glass bowl and these emotions are just bouncing off. Just let that anger bounce off. And it's, it's not easy. It's not easy because when somebody's really angry, you are hearing it, you are reacting to it, and you're, you're getting feelings about the fact that they are taking it out on you. And often an automatic reaction is to fight back. But do some practice at this and see how it works. You know, it certainly works for many people. Thirdly, you can't change someone else's behavior. We so often want to fight back. We want to teach someone a lesson because they've done something bad. We want to help them understand how their behavior affects you. Uh, And I mention this because I see this on Facebook groups all the time. You know, a guest has done something and the owner is incredibly offended and quite rightly so in, in some cases, but they allow that offense to fester. And of course, they're, you know, they're putting it in a Facebook group because then they can get all their peers, all their friends, their network can, can jump in, tell them how awful the situation was and how they should fight back against this, this guest and tell them how their behavior is bad and, and they've got to stop it right now. You can't change someone else's behavior. We all know that. I mean, I've been married 40 years. I know there's certain things my husband has done over the past 40 years that he still does to this day. And I have never been able to change that behavior. I mean, just, just one simple thing. You know, he thinks he can sit in his office and regardless of where I am in the house, I can hear him. 
So I might be out in the sunroom, which is a long way away, and I can hear his voice and he's talking to me. And I, I'll, slack, I'll send him a Slack message, say, if you're talking to me, I can't hear you. So he just talks louder. <laughs> and all I want him to do is to get out of his office and come to me and explain what he wants. 40 years, I have not been able to change that behavior. Just remember, you can't change. If somebody's been doing something for many, many years, you're not going to change their behavior. And if, if you find a behavior offensive, then you're going to have to find another way of working around it. And it could be, you know, you red flag the guests, you're not going to have them back again. That's absolutely fine. But going onto Facebook and just drawing it out in long, long threads with everybody jumping in is really, really not helpful at all. I sometimes read them as a voyeur. I never take part in these things because it's such a waste of time. And sometimes you see these long, long answers and I think, what are you doing? You're not being helpful in your response. All you are doing is just feeding the poster, feeding them some corroboration that their offense is right in some way. When in fact, you know, you just got to move on from it, understand that you cannot be the crusader to go out and correct maybe a lifetime's worth of behavior with one email or one review or something, something that is going to upset them in some way and, and make them feel that they've been bad and they're now corrected because it ain't going to happen, folks. My next one. So that's, it's not you and you can't change someone's, someone else's behavior. That's just something you need to know. But they, these are coping mechanisms to appreciate those two things. Here's my very favorite, and perhaps I should have started it, is find your happy place and designate some time for decompression. I mean, mine's, mine is in nature. And if I have a bad call at any time or something is happening in the business that I'm having some challenges with, I take off outside and I'll go for a walk, whether it's half an hour or sometimes if I'm, if I'm lucky, I get a full hour. Get out into nature because for me, hearing the sound of birds, hearing wind in the trees, sometimes walk, going and walking in a rainstorm. In the winter, I was walking in ridiculously cold temperatures, all wrapped up, but it certainly helped at the time when we were dealing with all sorts of pandemic issues with bookings. You know where your happy place is. It could be just a, a reading nook. Go and find a place and read a book for 15 minutes. It could be to go and sit and meditate. Use a meditation app such as Calm or Headspace and go and meditate or do some yoga. I can't define where your happy place is, but it should be a time for you for some, some decompression. And, and particularly after something that is challenging you mentally. When I was a therapist, I used to, I always had a half hour between appointments and I would, as I say, I'd finish an appointment, I'd strap the dog's lead on and I was off 15 minutes outside, maybe just go out and throw, throw, throw a ball for the dog, get some fresh air. I, I'm at my happiest when I'm outside. So that's what I would do. But you need to find that happy place that you use over and over again. So you associate that place with decompressing, with, with getting out from the day-to-day -day issues that you're facing and going and 
just doing something else. Of course, you've got to come back to it. So, so the other technique here is to, when you're in that happy place, is not to dwell on what you've just left behind, but to think ahead as to what you're going to do when you get back into your workspace. Another technique, and I, I, perhaps I should have mentioned this one when I was talking about you can't change someone else's behavior, is also to give up the need to be right. We all do this. You know, you, if you've been in a discussion with a friend or a spouse or, or somebody where you've been arguing about the price of something and somebody says, well, yeah, it was, it was really, really inexpensive. It was fourteen ninety seven, And you go, oh no, when I got it, it was fourteen forty five. And you get into this little argument about 50 cents or 50 cents or more. You know, my math is awful, but we seem to have this innate need to be right. But you know, sometimes it's okay to say, I'm letting this one go. And I think if you're able to start practicing letting go and letting go of the need to be right, then you're going to, well, actually I find that, that, that it's amazing how liberating that is. You know, just try it with some little things to start with and then move on to some larger things. Your world is not going to come to an end if you give up the need to be right. So hook into, hook into your empathy, listen more and smile when you give up the need to be right. Okay. My final one, I don't know if I got to 10 or not, maybe I'm not, as I said, I'm not counting. Finally, find your bridge talker. A couple of years ago, I listened to an episode on the podcast, This American Life, and it, it really had an impact on me. And it was about this four mile long bridge in Nanjing, China. And this bridge is famous for how many people jump off to commit suicide. And in 2003, a gentleman named Chen Sa began spending all his weekends on the bridge trying to single-handedly stop the jumpers. And a reporter wrote an article in GQ magazine. I'll, I'll put a link to it because it's a really interesting article and I loved this, this episode on This American Life, so I'll put the link to that too. But this journalist went out onto this bridge to find Mr. Chen and to see what, you know, why, why he did this. And I'll, I'll leave you to read it, but basically he's, he's made it his mission to talk to these bridge jumpers and to stop them jumping, to talk them out of their need to end their lives. And it's a very, it's very powerful, such a powerful podcast episode. I listened to it a couple of times. I'm not saying that we are, you know, to that degree of desperation, but we all need someone to talk to. We all need somebody who helps us in situations where we just feel that we can't handle it anymore and that we just need someone to talk us down. I do this a lot. My business partner, Craig, I call him my ledge talker because he talks me off the ledge every time I, I, and you know, I can talk I can sit here and talk all about these coping mechanisms, but it doesn't mean I'm a saint. I too really get into some of these situations and get a little bit too immersed in them and get upset. I should say that I do not handle conflict well. I want to remove myself from conflict. And going back a little bit more, years ago, and that was before I started into um, 
the psychotherapy and probably a reason I did, I was, I was phobic about using the telephone. And, and I could not even pick up the telephone and ask and talk to somebody, even to make an appointment without having a glass of wine and a cigarette. That was in my days of smoking, drinking. And that went on for a number of years. And I got myself out of it by getting a job as a, as a receptionist, you know, being very proactive about it. But I still, since that, since that time, you know, I haven't got away from hating conflict. And sometimes when the telephone rings, and I know it's going to be a problem. I can feel the adrenaline rushing. And I use a lot of these coping mechanisms to, to work around it. But I don't like it when people are angry with me. I don't like it when people are upset. I don't like it when I have to deliver bad news, like to tell somebody their, their vacation's been cancelled because the owner's just sold his property and didn't tell anybody it was up for sale. None of us like this. And it can be tough. So I use that mechanism with my ledge talker, with Craig, and I'll send him a quick slack and say, you know, can you talk me down? Because I'm, I'm writing the letter. I'm writing, <laughs> I'm writing the letter that's trying to change someone's behavior. You know, I've written that email and Craig will say, okay, have you written the email? Yes, I have. You haven't sent it. No, I have not sent it. Okay. What are you going to do with it? And then he'll go through this and he helps me appreciate again, that I can't change someone else's behavior. If somebody's upset me, I can't make them change. And he is my ledge talker or my bridge talker. And I think we all need to have a bridge talker. We also all need to be a bridge talker for someone else. And you know, it doesn't have to be somebody within your firm. It doesn't have to be somebody that you know really well. You've got all these networks. um, And when I talk about find your bridge talker, again, it doesn't mean, that does not mean going to Facebook and looking for a gazillion bridge talkers who are going to tell you how right you are and how, how wrong the other person is. You want a, a bridge talker who is logical, who helps you see the facts of a situation and helps you examine how your feelings are associated with your thoughts and beliefs about that person. So select your bridge, your bridge talker carefully. Somebody that you trust is not just going to buy in to your emotions and to agree with everything you say. You want somebody who's going to be detached enough to help you look at it from another perspective. So as I say, I'll, I'll put those, um, those links at the end of the show notes because I think, uh, I think it's the, the article and the episode is really good to look at. So what have we looked at today? We've, we've, we've talked about the start and end of day ritual. Oh, I've got one. I've got one more. In fact, yeah, this is, this is one I came across more recently. It wasn't one that, that, that was, um, put to me when I was doing my therapy training, but this is one that I think really, really works. And it's about when, you know, when you have a negative emotion, so you're, so you're angry, you're irritated, you're annoyed, you're frustrated, whatever. So identify that emotion you want to change and then intentionally choose an activity that is the opposite of that emotion. So this is in the moment while you're having that feeling, think about the feeling. So, and I'll give you an example. Let's say you've had a really tough call with somebody who's really angry with you. You've become angry with them. You've got this sort of clash that's going on. So when you come off the phone, 
or you come away from that communication, instead of festering about it, the first thing you do is to pick an activity that's going to be the opposite of that emotion. So if it was anger, if it was anger, you're going to choose kindness. So the next activity you do is to, let's say, write a response to a positive review. Because we know that 90% of reviews are going to be positive. It's only the very small amount that's going to be negative. And it's, you know, I'm rejecting the 80-20 rule. I'm into the 90-10 rule now because I know it's it's only 10% of our guests that cause 90% of our problems. And the same with same with our owners, actually. So when I, after I had the exchange with the owner about the television yesterday, I came off that call and I immediately found a text from an guest who was saying how lovely it was when they arrived at a property and the owner had put on a, on a chalkboard their names. And they said that it was really lovely to be recognized as people and not just, you know, renters. So I immediately took the text from that email. I copied it and I pasted it into a, an email to the owner so I could let them know how their lovely gesture had impacted those guests. And that was very powerful. It was really interesting how powerful it was to take that emotion that I'd come away from the call with and turn it into a kindness and a much more softer emotion. So have a think about that, identifying an emotion you want to change and then intentionally choosing an activity that's the opposite of that emotion. This works well when you do come out of an exchange with somebody rather than immediately posting to Facebook how angry you are with somebody. Instead, either post something great about something that's happened to you recently or call somebody or write an email or do any activity that is the opposite of that emotion. You'll be interested in how that works for you. We talked about having a start at the end of the day ritual, disconnecting at the end of the day, the glass bowl technique or the astronaut helmet technique, uh, thinking forward. So thinking forward to three weeks from now, four weeks from now, how are you going to feel about it then? And if you're going to feel feel good about it then, why don't you do it now? Why don't you feel good about it now? Knowing it's not you, knowing you can't change someone else's behavior, finding your happy place. And that may mean using a meditation app or going going for a walk, doing some exercise, cooking. That's something else. I, I often stop and just go and make some cookies or something. Put my earbud in, listen to an audio book for 15 minutes. And it's amazing how that works. Um, give up the need to be right. Think about how you hook into empathy. Listen more. Please don't scroll Facebook and spend time looking at everybody else's angst. And please don't try and resolve your problems on Facebook. I do know it's helpful sometimes if you have an issue to see if you can find somebody to help you out with it. But we all know what these Facebook groups do. They just allow everybody to plow in with their own experiences, with their own need to be right. And it's, it's often really, really counterproductive. And then finally, find your bridge talker. This one's really important. We all need, we all need our bridge talker, our ledge talker, our, our person. If you watch Grey's Anatomy, then remember watching Grey's Anatomy and Meredith always talking about, you know, her person. And we all need 
the person, the one that we can go to that's going to talk us off the, off the ledge, make us appreciate that, that we have other options, other perspectives, and help us look in a different way at anything that's going on. Hey, I've talked enough. I've, I've done enough, but I've really enjoyed this. It's really got me thinking about what I want to do at the Women's Summit, really get into our mental health as operators and, and, and owners, what we have to deal with and how we can create these coping mechanisms to do so. So I hope you're going to be coming to the Women's Summit and I hope you come to my session when you do. And we'll have loads of chats about it afterwards as well. So I'm, oh gosh, I'm up to my time. So I'm going to quickly sign off here. Um, thank you so much for, for listening. Please contact me if you've got any, anything you want to say about this episode or any other episode. I'm at heather at vacationrentalformula.com and I will respond to you and leave me a nice review. And you know, if you leave me a crappy review, I'm not going to get upset about it. Well, maybe a little but I will use a coping mechanism to get around it. So, so and I'm sure you're not going to leave me a crappy review anyway. But hey, thank you so much for listening. I'm just about to head out to my happy place and go on a lovely, lovely walk. And I'll be with you again next week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you and I look forward to being with you again next week.